Today we're going to talk about blended families. Just out of curiosity, kind of by a show of hands, how many uh, have either married someone who had children, growing up had either a stepmom or a stepdad, or have been in a situation where you had your children and your spouse's children together? Just raise your hand. Let me just put it this way, as far as the numbers there, if those were all salvation calls, it would take us a week to get everybody under the water. A lot of people. This is a lot of challenges. So understand that what you are going through is not new. Scripture says there's nothing new under heaven. But what's new every morning is the grace of God. What's new is the power to help you overcome whatever it is you're struggling with. That's new every morning. That's what's going to give you the victory. That's what's going to help you to overcome. A scripture, one of them for this morning, comes from Mark chapter 10. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. I kind of like it in King James, too, because it says, let no man tear asunder. It gets you the, the image of literally pulling something apart and it just disintegrates and falls to the ground and is useless. That's how strongly God views marriage. And I'm sure there are those of you out there whose, you know, the, the teaching of this, and I, I teach the pre-marriage classes, and this is what we use. So we've been praying for a couple of years since we started this that, you know, the whole church get this. So I'm so thrilled with pastor doing this series. But the enemy wants to do everything he possibly can to tear you apart. And there may be some of you here right now who is like, yeah, I'm here, but you know something? I'm gone. Because honestly, before marriage breaks up, one or the other of the spouses has emotionally checked out a long time ago. They're there because they have to be, but their eyes and focus is someone else. And God hates that because God realizes the challenges that there is. Because divorce hurts a lot of people, not just the couple, but the children. Young children cannot comprehend why mom and dad are no longer together. It's just kind of beyond them. And they're grieving and they're upset. And then when someone new comes into the household, mom remarries. And I'm using mom because most of the time when there's a divorce situation, the former husband is out of the household and the mother is alone with her children. When you remarry, 
you're bringing a lot of baggage to that marriage. You can't help it, it's just how things are. And the children, they're not able to verbalize what's going on. They're not able to really get a handle on their grief and their hurt. And then when you remarry, that new person coming into the household, the children are grieving the loss of a marriage. Mom and dad will never be together again. What we had is gone. Now, what you had might have been a little bit of hell on earth. But in the children's eyes, and we all know, and we all go through this, whenever we think of past situations or past relationships, our minds are designed so that what happens is we only think of the good things. We never think of the bad things. So in your children's mind, they're thinking about the time they went and they cut down the Christmas tree together, or the time they, they all went to Disney World, or the time they all went for ice cream. That's what they're thinking about, and that's what they're grieving. And a lot of times, how they grieve is they get angry, they get loud, they don't do as well in school. It's a whole bunch of things. Because they're hurting inside, and they, they don't know how to express it. Kind of like how we are in adults when bad things happen and we really can't put a handle to it. We get a little ornery. But God's a God of healing. Going to be sharing some things today. But the point of it is healing, restoration, and a strong and effective family. So hang on with me and we'll definitely work through some of that. First of all, oftentimes when a woman is alone with children and another man comes into her life, it's going to be harder for her to trust you as she had in the past because her heart was broken. She tends to herself off she tends to put everything at a distance because of the hurt. So just as when you're meeting someone, whether it's your spouse, person who's your spouse for the first time, whether it's someone you're dating, whatever, dating is marketing. You know how that they have this, like, one of the elected officials will get up and give a, a speech, and then they have someone come on from both sides to explain to you what they said. And they spin it in such a way, and like, well, I thought the guy said this. Oh, all right, well, maybe he didn't say that. That's what dating is all about. Hey, look at me. Look at all that I can provide. I've got a stable job. Look at the nice car. You know, so you start selling yourself. And then two weeks after you get married, you know, you're screaming at one another because you forgot to put the cap on the toothpaste. Because what happens with a lot of couples is you date and you, you just can't 
bear to be away from that other person. You want to spend as much time with them as they want. Then all of a sudden you get married and it's kind of like, okay, we've been married 42 years and we still have a date night. And I would encourage each and every one of you to do the same. Take some time, especially once the children start coming. You need to have some time alone. <laughs> when I met her, I was an associate pastor at a church up in Maine. And needless to say, funds were not abundant. So our date night was not at the best restaurant in town. It was usually a cup of coffee at the local diner. And back then, smoking was allowed in these restaurants. So when they say the house was filled with smoke, they weren't talking about the presence of God. Sometimes we'd have to do one of these just to see each other. But it didn't matter. Back then, you could get a cup of coffee for a dollar. I know nowadays, I, I understand that it's, it's a little more than that. And with Starbucks, you have to take out a small loan, but it's okay. We had that time together to talk about what was going on, to talk with one another. And during that time, we were able to build dreams and goals for the new marriage. Because see, Nancy was married before. I married into, at the ripe old age of 23, into a family with... Three boys, my oldest stepson is only nine years younger than I. That was interesting. And then we were also raising Nancy's youngest sister because her mom had died early. And that woman kept that family together. She's amazing. If you haven't had a chance to meet with her, to go to coffee with her, or just chat with her, make a point to do so. You'll see how the Spirit of God has worked in a person tremendously. So, as you're starting to develop a relationship together, number one, you need to deal with some inner vows. Vows that say, I will never let this one do this again. He will never hurt me again. I will close and guard myself off. But by doing that, you're guarding yourself from the intimacy you need with your spouse. This unforgiveness, if you will, it's almost as though you take the husband and wife wanting to come together for an embrace, and there's a stupid rubber chicken in between you. And you, know, you try to get close, but you can't because there's this inflatable thing that is separating you. And that's the unforgiveness. That's all those vows. That's all the baggage, if you will, that you're bringing. But you see, God understood that and made provision. So what he did is he helped us to walk through. And we do marriage counseling as well. And one of the things we talk about is dealing with these hurts. First of all, you recognize the hurt that happened with your former spouse. That was wrong. That was sin. 
just accept that. Then you renounce the sin, you forgive the person, and you let the power of God just begin to come through and take control of your life that way. And as your will, the, the power that there is in forgiveness, the person doesn't need to be there for you to forgive them. And forgiveness does two things. The main thing that it does is it releases you. You've all met people who don't forgive. And some of them are just so wrapped up in whatever that hurt is, they're, they're just, it's difficult to be around them because they're nursing and rehearsing that hurt again and again and again. And the only way that that will go is to forgive the person and let the power of God just wash that away. And when you can, you can move forward. Otherwise, even if you're with someone else, that's always going to be an issue and always going to come up. So it's so important to let the power of God fill you and surround you in that area. It is most important that we understand the dynamics and what happens when someone new comes into the household. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Some of you are sitting and going, Ah, are you kidding? My kid, I raised him in church, and look. But that's it. You raised him in the power of God. It is in there. He may be walk, or she may be walking a path that you don't want him to walk. Just continue to pray. There is more power in a praying parent than most anything on earth. And just hang in there. Just hang in there and watch and see what God can do. Because those seeds are planted in there. And some seeds take a long time to sprout and grow roots and bring a harvest. Don't give up. I remember the Prime Minister of England, Winston Churchill, when he was addressing, I believe it was Cambridge University's commencement. He got up, he was an old man at the time, and kind of stumbled and stood to the microphone, looked out over the sea of these young men and said, and I'll try in my best English accent, never, never give up. And he repeated it again, never, never give up. And he did it a third time. And then he stood up and hobbled back to his seat and that was done. Whatever is happening, whatever you're seeing here in the natural, it gets won and it gets accomplished in the spiritual, in the heavens, by the power of God. So hang in there. You get a hold of Father God, you get a praying, you get a believing, and then you just watch and see what God is going to do in that place because he will do some great things. Now here's some basic general principles for the non-biological parent who comes into the household. And let's face it, there's a lot of challenges there 
that have to be addressed. Nancy was nothing short of awesome. A lot of mothers are like, well, those are my kids, you know, when you, you kind of hide them and don't give your new, the new husband or new stepfather the authority there. It's only a matter of time. They say the divorce rates in America are almost 50%. When you get to the second marriage, it's about 70%. And for a third marriage, good luck. <laughs> and part of that is you do things, you don't want to be hurt, you don't want your children to be hurt, so you kind of guard them. But when you do that, you're literally sowing the seeds of your next divorce. You don't realize you're doing it, but that's what happens. Need to understand that initially, when the new person comes into the household, the biological parent needs to provide the discipline. But both parents need to have that same authority and stand as a united front. Because kids get it real quick. Even with parents, both biological parents, you know, the, the favorite thing to do is ma. Is it okay? If I go and do something stupid, if it's okay with dad, and mom will like, yeah, sure. So the kid trots over to see dad. Hey, dad, mom says it was okay to do something really stupid. Is it okay with you? Well, if it's okay with your mother, sure. And there you go. They will try to divide you, divide and conquer. So it is the most important thing for husband and wife to stand together as one. And if you are the step-parent, when it comes to the biological parent, even if he or she was the biggest jerk on the face of the earth, again, be quiet, shut up, do not dishonor their father in front of them. It's very important because, again, you are sowing the seeds of anger and resentment in those children. And, you know, we don't realize a lot of times when we say things, the power that our words have. You know, good, bad, or indifferent, it's just the way things work. And as far as visitation and child support and all that, understand, this might be a time of conflict. Because especially if the our biological spouse is not a believer and is really struggling through things, they may want to stir a lot of things up with the kids. And you, as is very normal for you, if I come at you with my fist raised, Chances are you're either going to block defensively or have your fists up. It's a normal response. However, that's not a godly response. Jesus said, they slap you in the face, turn the other cheek. That way both will be nice and red and ruddy. And good. Anyway, no, not, that wasn't the rest of the verse. But how you respond will make all the difference. So be careful and be aware when you're doing that. The other thing is the marriage 
is a priority. Marriage is a nucleus of the family and the children are built around the marriage, not the other way around. Because let's face it, marriage in God's eyes and in God's term is permanent. Raising children is temporary. Unless, of course, they leave and come back. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, that relationship that you're building, whether it's a husband and wife who are both biological parents, or if there's a non-biological parent in there, as you develop a godly relationship, you are teaching your children how to build a godly relationship and how to raise children. So you're, you're setting the example. We need to start to establish and not just kind of, you know, say, well, oh, well, okay, whatever you want. No. What does God want? What does the word of God say in a situation? And that is so important. We do, as I said, we do our share of marriage counseling. And, and just like we saw as I had raise of hands, so many people were brought up in broken families, blended families, and really didn't have good examples of godly parents. And if they did, often it was a godly mother and a father who had just kind of checked out. So these guys that we're talking to, they have no clue how to raise godly sons and daughters. Guys, it is so important to raise your daughters. Let them know they're loved. Let them know they're respected. Let them know that they're precious. Because if you do that, you begin to instill in them a high moral bar. And they begin to realize that this jerk, I don't want anything to do with him. But if you don't, as soon as someone starts paying attention to you, oh, he's the love of my life. Oh, he's so wonderful. And he's probably a jerk. But you don't know because you haven't been treated well by your father. So many times we see the impact that a father has on daughters and on sons. On sons because that's how men learn to treat their wives, learn to treat their children, learn to run a household. is by emulating the father. So any time that the enemy can get the dad out of the household, he's won. Because as wonderful and awesome and great and godly as the mother is, she can't be the father. And it's unrealistic expectation to put it in that place. So understand how important marriage is, not only for the two of you, but for your legacy going forth for many years. Okay, ladies, don't laugh too much. But I've got a little bit of advice for the guys. Don't worry, guys, I've got one for the ladies, too. Uh, 
for the guys, very simple. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. You don't need to say everything you think. And it was funny, we're doing classes, and let's see how good I do this with one hand. I shared that at the last marriage class we had, and one of the gentlemen, Sebastian, had sent me this. It's from Proverbs 3.13. It says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Running your mouth can ruin everything. So all these years I've been telling people to shut up. It was scriptural. So there you go. <laughs> and guys, if you plan to have some intimate time with your spouse, soap and water won't kill you. For most guys, the wife comes home, kicks off the shoe, and their switch is on. And I say, hey, babe, you just walk through the door, you're carrying groceries. Come on. And the other thing, there is nothing wrong with planning and scheduling some intimate time. Because sometimes it's more appropriate than others. I know with guys, it's kind of like it's on 24-7, but... Be realistic and be understanding. Okay, yeah. In spiritual matters, it's time to move the zipper to the front. To stand up and be a man. Basically what I mean by that is God expects a lot from the men. Whether you're the father, whether you're the stepfather, you are seen is an integral part of that household. Guys can get lazy sometimes and turn over child rearing, turn over spiritual authority, prayer, and undergirding that to their wives. Oh, they're so much better than I am. Don't you know how busy I am? Don't you know how much I work? What does one have to do with the other? But it's a, we guys, if we're honest, we're kind of lazy. That if somebody else wants to do it, we'll be glad to let them. But when we do that, we surrendering our authority and the household suffers. We're responsible before God for our household, for our relationship with our spouse and relationship with our children. Here's another thing that's very important. I know the switch is always on. I get it. I was in my 20s and 30s at one point, too. But porn, come on. I know it's very enticing. It is fake. It is this whole fake marketing thing. And then you look, and because your spouse can't contort and hang from the ceiling in a certain way that you see something wrong. Dude, you try it, you'll be in traction for a year. You know, just not a lot of common sense here. The other thing that you guys might not, well, it's just pictures, it's just whatever. To a wife, you've just committed adultery. You've just broken your vows. 
understand the seriousness of it. And if it's something you're having trouble overcoming, get with some godly men that you can trust. Pray through it, stand through it, and learn by the power of God to overcome that area. Boy, it got quiet in here. And if you were living with a woman, whether it's just her or whether it's her and her children, either marry her or get out. I know that sounds strong, but let's face it. If you're not in this relationship to start a family and a marriage, then you're, an, and I'm, this is going to be my imitation of Pastor Marco, a player. <laughs> Doesn't work. I don't know if that's the right term. I don't I'm 65. What do I know? So, but God has high expectations for guys. And so we need to stand up and we need to do what's right in the eyes of God. And if you don't know what to do, ask Father God. If you don't know how to bring some spark back into your love life, most folks aren't aware there's, there's a book in Scripture that teeters on the line between R and X-rated. It's called the Song of Solomon. Do a study of it sometime with your wife, and you'll begin to see exactly how God laid out the plan for marriage, and for that intimate time. Okay, guys, you've had enough. This time I'm going to touch base with the ladies a bit. <laughs> you may or may not want me to. First of all, it says guys develop their respect from sex. It's just what it is. When you say no, they feel like you're rejecting them. Now, granted, guys, you need to have some general awareness of what's going on. You know, she's just come through the door. She hasn't even taken her coat off yet. She's getting the, the children out of their car carrier, everything else. That may not be the best time, which is why I said schedule it. And when you do, real simple things. Put a lock on the bedroom door. There is nothing that will spoil a mood any quicker than a three-year-old. Mommy, gone. Forget it, never mind. You can get that child back into bed. You cannot get that moment back. So a lock is very helpful. But guys, we tend to be very fragile. And the enemy likes nothing better than to twist our words. Nancy and I, I often attribute it to the fact that I'm getting older and she's telling me I'm not hearing as clearly as I used to. But she'll say something and by the time it gets through the filter of my past experiences as well as what the enemy wants to twist is something totally different. You know, she may, may say to me, wow, 
you look great in that outfit. What I hear, oh, what are you telling me? I dress like a slob the rest of the time? Oh, and then I get offended. Stupid. But that's what the enemy does. We're not even aware that kind of thing is happening. So we have to present and prepare ourselves for the fact that we need to listen and understand. And if there's disagreement, be quick to forgive and get back to that together relationship. Ladies, he's your husband, not your child. When you establish the household and decide what the priorities are and the roles of each, he may have responsibilities that he's not too good at. And you might find that you do pretty well with that. Well, let him fall. Let him stumble. Let's face it, at work, if he's had a job at work and he makes a mistake, the boss doesn't take it away from him. This is, you got to fix this. This is wrong. And he learns to fix it and move on, and that becomes a strong point. Give him the freedom to do that. The world is not going to end. Things are going to go on. Plus, how many of you would want your husband to come up to you and say, Mommy, can I have $20 for the week? <laughs> kind of gets a little demeaning, but think about it. Never put your children before him. That marriage is the most sacred part. Children are raised around the marriage, not the other way around. And remember, if you ask God to change him, don't be surprised if he starts to work on you first. You know, one of the things when we talked about how important the intimate part of a relationship is to guys, guys also, as a general rule, don't want to feel neglected. They don't want to feel that they're second place in anything. So ladies, my advice to you is if you have to be out a couple nights a week and he's home and he's feeling kind of grumbling about it, make a point when you get home to have some of that intimate time with him. You know what's going to happen? He's going to get, you're going to be sitting at the dinner table and you're talking and it's like, you got one of those meetings tonight? Uh-huh, huh, do you? Men need to feel wanted, respected, and loved. And the one who is the most important to that is their wife. As you are able to do that, as you're able to invest in him, the relationship as a whole gets stronger. And ladies, there is no better time to tell your husband that you just spent $3,000 on Amazon than in the afterglow. So, just saying. And lastly, if he's not a believer, he is not for you. We have lost more awesome young ladies and young gentlemen 
To guys or ladies who bat their eyes. Well, guys probably don't bat their eyes. I don't know. I don't bat, so I just assume. Uh, a godly woman or man need to be seeking a godly spouse. Because if you aren't yoked, if you aren't equal together, you're sowing the seeds for misery. You're sowing the seeds quite possibly for divorce. And do not think, oh, it's okay. I will save him. No. Jesus saves people. You don't have any part in it. And if you're married to an unbeliever, that is what it is. Begin praying, begin believing, asking Father God to do the work in his or her life. But the challenges that you have because you're not equally yoked are hard to overcome. So better to not get into that place. Especially for our young folks who are here. Really realize that and understand. Now music folks, you want to come on up? Gonna ask us all to stand. I know this wasn't necessarily your typical message. Well, come to think of it, the way Pastor Mark was, it probably is, but uh, we're just looking to see how we can build strong families. The world is not going to hell, it's there. And we, as believers, need to stand and to go the godly way. So first of all, I'm going to ask that any of you who have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to pray with me now so we can welcome you into the family. Father God, I don't know you. I want you to come into my life because of the blood of Jesus. Forgive my sins. Restore me to newness and accept me into your family. In Jesus' name. And for those of you who have prayed that, as soon as you exit, there'll be folks there with signs offering you a free Bible to help learn what the next steps are in your walk with Jesus. And for those of you who are struggling with your relationship, struggling with who you should marry, struggling with your spouse, struggling with the children, or just not knowing where you should go from here, Come forward and folks will pray with you and will let the power of God begin to work. So feel free to come forward now and for those of you who we won't see till next week, I want to pray a blessing upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you a peace that passes all understanding that are going to keep your heart
in your mind, and not only the knowledge of him, but of the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. And the blessing of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be on you and remain with you always. In Jesus' name, amen.